Ben Ford, software engineer and developer advocate here at Puppet. Like you probably are, we're all working from home now, and this is our first time recording a fully remote podcast, but we'll have fun figuring out the tech. Anyways, I've been with the company for quite a while now, and I've been through a lot of our growing pains. I learned Puppet before the PDK existed. That's our Puppet developer kit. That was back when the state of the art was SSHing into a Puppet master and manually making changes, you know, editing files, busting open Vim. I mean, I still do that sometimes. Old habits die hard. But what I'm saying is that the barrier to entry uh, was really, really high, and it didn't have to be. So that's why I'm so excited to introduce James Pogren here. He's a senior software engineer at Puppet, and he wrote the book on learning PowerShell DSC before he came to Puppet. Now he's working on a brilliant Visual Studio Code integration. Hi, it's James Pogren. Um, As Ben said, I'm a senior software engineer here at Puppet, and I've been working on the Visual Studio Code extension for Puppet for about three years now. I suppose that means I should be a little bit more careful with my uh, use of the word integration instead of uh, extension. Yeah, they, they've focused on using extension. Sometimes they use plugin, but it's really extending the ID, IDE so that it can uh, support different languages. It's a core um, concept with Visual Studio Code is that it's a uh, text editor that gets out of your way and presents the language which knows best about what grammar and syntax and errors and linting and stuff, instead of trying to force a certain way of using a language. That's a really interesting uh, kind of distinction there. Uh, so what exactly does the Puppet VS Code extension do? Well, uh, when you open up any kind of uh, Puppet module or Puppet manifest or a Bolt plan or a task, it will determine that that's something that's a Puppet language, and it'll start loading a language server in the background. And what that means is that there's a Puppet process that will then parse your uh, manifest files as you type. And that will provide syntax highlighting, IntelliSense of Puppet types, functions, classes, and other methods. It'll give you code navigation so you can bounce between files. You can find where a type is defined. It'll give you symbol support so that you can find where variables are uh, loaded or where functions are called. And it'll give you fact resolution so that you can see for which operating system this particular fact is going to resolve to. It'll also give you linting and error checking as you type the file in front of you. So instead of having to hit puppet apply or run puppet parser validate, as you type, those errors will pop in front of you, which really reduces the uh, cycle of feedback of compiling code and seeing if it's uh, syntactically correct. That's pretty cool. Uh, something that I'm interested in is how it knows uh, what facts to use, since those are generated on the agent side before the compiler ever uh, takes over. Where do you where do you get the source of those facts? So we're using Puppet itself, and it uses depending on how you started VS Code, it'll use your operating system, or if you've done something like starting in a container uh, using the remote development extensions that VS Code has, it'll start it as a your container or your VM or the server you're SSH'd in. So it's whatever local process is running the language server backend, which opens up some pretty cool opportunities for you to test your code without actually running your code per se. It'll be in the context. Uh, so for example, you're sitting on your Windows laptop, but you're writing Apache uh, puppet configuration and you're using the remote ex or the Microsoft remote extensions to SSH over to your server and edit the code over there. 
the language server, our Puppet extension rather, is remotely copied over to the server and run in a separate process, thinks it's sitting on the language server, but really you're writing the code sitting on your desktop. So your fax resolution, um, your process, so access to all of the modules on the server, all of that stuff is remote, but locally you have your uh, desktop. So it opens up some different area uh, ways of editing Puppet code without actually having to have your local environment have everything set up for you. That's actually really cool. And, and I want to uh, dive into that even uh, a little bit deeper because I, I think that it might have uh, skimmed over something that may not be quite as obvious to people listening. If I'm understanding you right, you could theoretically start up three or four or five VMs on your, on your system or have EC2 instances or uh, something like that that represent the different types of nodes that you have in your infrastructure and do like real live validation of your code as you write it on the, the types of machines you're going to have in your infrastructure. Am I understanding that correct? Yes. And it can be even more flexible than that. It can be SSHing into VMs uh, that represent your servers. It could be local Docker containers. We have a PDK Docker image uh, you can build from or reference or even use your own containers with your tooling installed and it will use that instead. And then you can start VS Code inside that container and so your local workspace is mounted in that container and you can treat it as if you're sitting in that interactively. If you're on Windows, you can use WSL or the Windows subsystem for Linux with PDK installed in your distribution of choice and not have to touch Windows at all. And you can write your puppet code that way. It really opens up many different avenues for your development so you can choose how you want to or how you're best performing and go that route. So there's less do it our way and do it more your way. That's pretty cool. I think I finally understand what the big deal about uh, Microsoft's remote editing capability is. Yeah, we're, we've been trying to write some documentation, some best practices in using it. We're almost done with that. Right on. Uh, so you mentioned the uh, language server. Does that how does that relate to uh, VS Code, to the extension, and to maybe even theoretically something else? So the nice thing about uh, Visual Studio Code is it adopted uh, a protocol-based system. So each language speaks a protocol back to the client front-end VS Code. And that abstracts the determination of syntax or linting or error checking to the language itself, so a separate process. That communication back and forth means that we don't necessarily have to have VS Code be your front end. Your front end could be Vim or NeoVim, and you could still get the same benefit of the code that we wrote that does all of this magic stuff in the background. So we do have users out there who are using our language server except in NeoVim, and you'll get the same error checking and IntelliSense and autocomplete uh, that you would get if you're using VS Code except in your favorite editor. That's pretty cool. You've mentioned the PDK a couple of times. Uh, how does the how does the extension integrate with the PDK? So it's a symbiotic relationship, really. It both needs it and utilizes it and extends uh, access to it. We need the PDK because Puppet development is slightly complex in the sense it needs a Ruby version, it needs a Puppet version, it has some gems. Depending on which kind of solutions you're doing and which modules, you may have several different versions of all of that together. So the PDK makes that simple in terms of setting up your environment to access those kinds of gems and versions. The language server is a Ruby process, so we need to be able to load Puppet 
and load your particular module and all of its gems and versions. In order to cheat and not have to bundle our own versions of this, we use the PDK. So that's why that's our requirement when we start our Puppet extension, is we use the PDK to get access to that stuff. But beyond that, we provide commands inside of VS Code that you can, from the IDE, run PDK commands or run Puppet commands when you're inside the editor. So then it goes and does things like create new modules or create new classes. So if you're comfortable with the terminal, you can still type PDK commands from the command line, but you are going to be able to use VS Code accelerators like the command palette and be able to type as you're editing code, creating new files, but you're adding new classes rather, or types or test files, but you don't have to drop down to the terminal. You can use the commands that keep you in the editor, keep you close to the code. So it sounds like VS Code compatible, for lack of a better word, or modules that you've generated with VS Code are compatible with the PDK and vice versa. Modules you've generated with PDK are also compatible with VS Code and you can use kind of mix and match, use either one of them. Yes. With the VS Code is using PDK to generate the modules if you go that route, or it run if you're creating classes inside of VS Code, it's using the PDK to do so. So everything is compatible both ways. That's really cool. And it sounds like as the PDK advances and uh, does things like add litmus support, etc., you'll get some of that just kind of built in as uh, as it grows. Yep. You might see some modules out there that actually use a um function of VS Code called tasks. Modules, tasks, everybody uses the same terms over and over again. So VS Code tasks is a JSON file that you can put inside your project and you can define simplistic or somewhat complex commands that can be run inside VS Code as background processes or things that kick off based on events. Some of the projects out there, including Summit Puppet, have utilized that to run litmus tasks. So instead of having to type the complex litmus command when you're going through development, you'll hit F5 and it'll go and run that litmus command for you. So it'll run your tests or whichever keyboard combo you decide to set for that. That is really, really cool. I have a, a couple of questions kind of like about how you got into this and how we can get like other people involved, other in interest in the, the project. So how long have you been uh, working with Puppet Code? Well, with Puppet Code in general, I've only been working with that since I started a Puppet about almost five years ago. I didn't come to Puppet knowing Puppet Code from a developer standpoint or even from a uh, user standpoint, I came to Puppet from knowing DSC standpoint and helping Puppet to write the DSC modules at the time, which was very new. But in terms of the reasons why I uh, started with the VS Code uh, extension is that I found editor support was uh, spotty for new people like myself who were just trying to learn. I have a documentation window open at the same time I had my code window open. I had to go look up things before I type. If I had an error, I had to run several commands before I could figure out if I was wrong. So that was really my motivation in starting this. I wanted something that helped a little bit more. Coming from a uh, .NET and C Sharp background, I was used to, used to editors that gave you IntelliSense and auto-completion inline help, things like that, that make it so that you don't have to leave the editor so much in order to be able to accomplish your job. So when VS Code came out and they started trying to push people to make extensions for it, I really saw it as an opportunity both for myself, I wanted to learn TypeScript, and I wanted to provide a better editing experience for Puppet. So the first versions just used the Puppet command lines. It was basically just a wrapper around that. The uh, phrase great mind thinks alike comes to mind. Uh, Glenn 
Sardi, uh, another developer here at Puppet, he was also doing the same thing, except he was approaching it from the language server side, which was trying to run a Ruby process that loaded Puppet and then would compile your code and provide all of the effort. So we combined our efforts and made an extension that used the language server, but also the approaches that I was doing. Fast forward three years later, we've had almost 25 releases, a couple hundred features, things like that. And I'm really proud of how far we've come in terms of the extension and what it can do. I, I would be proud too. That's a really big accomplishment. And I think it kind of highlights something that we've been trying to uh, say to people for a long time in that working with Puppet really isn't all about like knowing the language and the weirdities about how Puppet works and more about kind of understanding the concepts of configuration management itself and letting the tooling kind of help you, guide you along. So if somebody wanted to get involved with this project, what would you say is the most straightforward way to get started? How can somebody find out about it? How can somebody find it, like start helping with small things before they get into the bigger, more interesting thing? Well, I'm, I'm sure we'll have a bunch of links at the end, but if you go to our GitHub repo page or if you use VS Code and open up the extension pane, and see our extension there, it'll link you over to our GitHub repository. We recently moved it over to the Puppet Labs namespace in GitHub, and that's the best place to get started in terms of finding maybe issues that we already have open or something that you want to raise with us. In terms of contributing, we have a contributing doc that says part of our repo since almost the first day we've done this. We've tried to make sure that all of our development is done out in the open. We'll have conversations and issues. All of our project work is done using GitHub projects, and we've been doing that for about two years now. So if you want to participate, we accept PRs, and we have a very low friction process for merging them in. The It's like most open source projects, open an issue, discuss a uh, general direction, and then submit a pull request. Uh, Glenn and I will review it. We've merged everything that has been contributed so far. That's a pretty impressive stat. Uh, what does your roadmap look like? Well, right now, uh, we just completed a transition to move the extension from the uh, personal namespace that I had it on before into the uh, Puppet official uh, namespace. We just shipped a rewritten node graph visualizer. That's a very big wordy sentence for something that will take your currently open Puppet manifest and visualize it in a directed graph. So you can see exactly how the relationships are happening inside your classes or your types. That was just released and is using a new data visualiz visualization. Yes, I can say that word. Uh, library. Um, and uh, most of our planned features for the next month or two is based on taking advantage of that library. Is used for scientific data analysis, so it has some pretty cool features for adding nodes dynamically. Um, so that means you could type something in your file uh, by adding a new type or a new class, and it'll show up as you type. Different uh, visualization methods, so being a data library for scientists, there's all of those nice mathematical algorithms for figuring out dependencies. So we have a lot of those things planned for the next two months. That's really cool. Like, I don't mean to interrupt, but it sounds like you're saying that you can pull this open like maybe in a second window or side by side or or something and like have a live visual representation of the, the code that you're typing. As you're typing it, nodes will pop into to view and you can see the, the relationships being built. 
Yep, exactly. It's uh, a common concept in VS Code to have uh, one of its actually first features was Markdown Preview to the side. And that was one of their first like big demo uh, things where you could type Markdown and it automatically parses and displays it right next to you as you're typing the code or the uh, text and it gets converted straight to Markdown. So that same concept is what we wanted with the Node Visualizer. You're adding new types to your manifest or creating a class and it'll automatically change that representation to the uh, right or the left-hand side, whichever you had it displayed at. And so it will help you both visualize and also make sure that it's syntactically correct at the same time. That's really cool. We'll have to make sure to include a uh, like a screen capture or something at the bottom of the, the podcast, because I'm sure that people are going to want to see what that looks like. Mm -hmm. What's the name of the, uh, the library that you're using? It's uh, cytoscape.js. So it has a couple of different uh, ports for different other languages, but we're using the straight JavaScript port because that gives us a, uh, a nice web panel inside of VS Code. VS Code itself is a Node.js process. Most extensions are written in TypeScript, so it gives us a nice non-barrier language so we can directly interact with the DOM and pass messages back and forth between our language server and the JavaScript process without having to have an intermediary. The rewritten part that I was referencing earlier is we used to have a dot graph representation pulled from Puppet, but now we send the actual objects as JSON objects. And since this library accepts JSON objects, there's a lot less juggling that we have to do to make the data representations happen. So we can use more of the power of the library and less code on our side. That sounds really useful. I might have to look into it for a couple of projects of my own. So what do people need to get started uh, using uh, VS Code and the plugin? Well, that's the nice thing about VS Code is that if you opened up a Puppet file, it'll prompt you and it'll let you know that the marketplace may have an extension for you. So if you opened up a Puppet manifest file or a Bolt project, it'll prompt you and say, go search the marketplace and it'll open up the built-in uh, extension gallery and it'll show the Puppet extension right there. If you click install, it'll install the extension within a couple of seconds, depending on how fast your internet connection is. And then it'll actually, nowadays it doesn't even need to reload the window. Our only requirement on your local system is having the PDK installed. And you should have that installed before going through this process? Uh, you can install it after if you install the extension. Our website has a quick start of what I just said too, so you can reference that as you go through too. But if you don't have the PDK installed before you went and installed our extension, our extension will prompt you and say, hey, if we can't find it, maybe go over to here. Here's a link to go get it. And then you can go click and it'll bring you to the PDK download page on puppet.com. Once you have the PDK installed, it'll ask you, can we restart, reload, and reload the extension, and it'll immediately notice your environment and start being available for you to use. If you used a container or a WSL environment, just have the PDK to container or PDK installed in your WSL or distro. How difficult is it to set up with the PDK in a, in a container like that? Like, do you have to install uh, Visual Studio Code itself in the container, or do you just tell it to use that at container somehow? So part of the Microsoft Remote Extension Pack has a container extension and a SSH extension and a WSL extension, and those are uh, responsible for loading the environment for VS Code to use those particular environments. So in terms of the container, it'll reload VS Code using the workspace that you are currently in. So if, in our case, it's a Puppet module. 
and it'll reload the window and present the Docker container as your interactive environment. So you'll get, if like you're using Alpine or something like that, you'll have your Alpine bash shell in front of you. Um, file system shows up as an Alpine container, but it's from your local system. So that has PDK in it and you can use your commands inside the bash shell inside the VS code window, but your host system didn't have to have that. Not sure if I'm making sense there. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I expected it to be an intensely convoluted process. So even if this itself doesn't sound like it makes a lot of sense, that's far, far easier than what I thought it was going to be. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, The uh, VS Code website uh, has a walkthrough of uh, what I'm talking about. And to make it even easier, what I forgot to mention is if you open up a brand new workspace, but you do have the Microsoft remote container extensions installed. There's a command palette command. Again, we're using these words that are overloaded so many times. The command... Uh, Puppet add... doesn't know anything about overloaded words. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> no, what are you talking about? Um, <laughs> um, the command's called adding a dev container file. Uh, I forget the exact uh, uh, syntax of the name here, but what it does is it adds a JSON and a Docker file, or a JSON file and a Docker file to your workspace. It'll prompt you first, though, do you want to set up in a particular environment? And so it'll list all of these environments, everything from .NET to Azure to Ruby to AWS, all of these different pre-canned environments, but they accept pull requests. So when that first came out, I submitted a pull request to add Puppet as one of those. So if you start typing Puppet in that dropdown, you'll get a pre-canned Docker environment set up for you. And that will pick a Docker container that is compatible with PDK, build that for you real time in front of you, and have it set up. So you wouldn't need to have anything installed in your local system except Docker and VS Code. A puppet in a box almost. Seems pretty easy to do to me. Mm -hmm. I think we already covered this, but do you have anything else like exciting that you want to talk about or anything you want to sort of tease anybody uh, with? Glenn has been working on a very experimental right now, but um, he's been working on some type inferencers. And what that means is that since Ruby is a dynamic language and Puppet is based on Ruby for certain parts of its language, there are some things that we can't do with uh, figuring out what it is in open in front of us without compiling the code. You were referencing catalogs before. Some of the language is just too dynamic to figure out from a flat text file. Glenn has been working on a piece of code that will make guesses based on uh, puppet types and other conventions inside of puppet code. So we can do something like, for instance, a bolt plan where we can't get IntelliSense for some of the objects that a bolt plan has. But because of Glenn's inferencer, you can actually type the variable inside your plan and get a listing of all of the properties and methods for the target object inside of it. Oh, wow. You couldn't get that before because that's compile time. That's something based on the Puppet language and the Bolt internals. But Glenn is able to do it with his library based on his code. And that's something that's uh, he's in active development on. So it kind of takes a guess as what it might be. Yeah. So it, it's not static analysis. It's uh, kind of guessing what you could be looking for. Correct. A simpler example is variables. A variable could be a string, could be an integer. It all depends on what's resolved at compile time. This one will make guesses based on what the variable is set to inside the text in front of you. And it'll tell you this is a Boolean, or this is an integer, or this is a string. 
and it'll give you the appropriate methods or the auto completion for that particular variable. That, that'll go a long way in, in like helping resolve some errors that people have with Puppet Code, especially since the language has been kind of so loose about what a Boolean means or what things are coerced into strings when. I think that as we get stricter about, the, about these things, it, this will be really helpful to help people come along. Yep, that's where Gwen was trying to uh, solve. Um, speaking of errors, something that's a little less experimental that we dark shipped kind of is a puppet file resolver. If you open up a puppet file uh, in any other kind of editor, you'll just get a text file representation with maybe some syntax highlighting. If you open up in VS Code, you'll get a the language server will actually resolve the references that you have in your puppet file, and it'll determine uh, if those references are up to date. And then it'll go one step further and say that you are specifying let's say for instance, uh, PowerShell, but it has a dependency on making something up now on standard lib, uh, but that version dependency that you list in your puppet file is invalid. If you had sent that over to the puppet master, it would have failed compilation and blown up your environment. You got that instead on your desktop in your coding editing as you were making your commit. Hey, hey you're saying that as you're editing the puppet file, it'll actually go look up the things that you're pointing to Mm -hmm. and tell you if you're pointing at the latest version, like call out to the Forge or to GitHub or something. Yeah, right now it only calls up to the uh, Forge um, because we have the API access, but we're working on other methods for validating versions. But the core of that is, is you're right. It's going to, as you type, determine is that the latest version for you, and then it will resolve the dependencies and make sure that they'll actually compile correctly. So if, if a module, like if a module uh, has dependencies that are not listed in your puppet file, it'll warn you and say, hey, you also need to include this in your puppet file. Correct. That's huge. Yep. Uh, we shipped it in the last release, but we've been making sure that it's stable enough to be completely talked about, and uh, we're at that point now. So much so that it's a gem, so it's usable by processes outside of VS Code now. So some of the Vox Pupilli members are working on trying to integrate that into their release processes. That's pretty cool, and that th seems like something that we should investigate using uh, in R10K itself, so that the deploy is a little bit less fragile. I believe... The people responsible for that and Bolt uh, project are also looking at ways of using it too. I love hearing about this kind of synergy of different groups working together and kind of helping each other along with, with their different goals. Same here. Well, this is really exciting. I'm really enjoying watching the developer ecosystem grow and seeing all the tooling get easier and more intuitive to use. This would have really, really helped me when I uh, was first starting to learn Puppet Code because just like you, I, I I wrote code with a with a Vim window and a Docs window and a terminal window to try things out. And having code that would just autocomplete would have been like a difference between night and day. I'm really excited about this ability to kind of like lower the onboard friction for new users and just all the way up to making it faster for the more experienced users, like streaming, streamlining the development workflow. So I'm really excited to, about what's going on. I'm really excited to, to see the new work in like the different uh, Puppet File Resolver and the inference you were talking about. Same here. We're excited to work on this stuff. Well, that's great. Just before we close up, uh, I want to make sure that everybody knows how to get in touch with you or to find the extension. Could you maybe tell us uh, what your website is or Twitter handle or anything else you want to cover? Sure. From a web browser, you can go to our short link. So that's pup.pt slash VS Code. That'll bring you to the extension gallery page for our extension. There's also the 
documentation website that we have. That's puppet-vscode.github.io. And that'll show you all the information that we have for each of the features that we have. And my Twitter handle is uh, ender2025. And I'm also pretty active in our Slack community over there, talking in office hours and um, puppet dev channels those days. All right. Well, thanks for sharing with us, James. This is uh, real exciting to see this grow. It was a pleasure being here. Thank you for having me on.